Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to another episode of JT and the Don, your post-Thanksgiving meal spot for all your sports information and hot topics. I'm the Don, Donato Bucci, and don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please leave us a five-star review. Now, let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? Better than I did over Thanksgiving, but you were confusing me a little bit with that intro. I didn't know if you were, you know, talking about, you know, a meal service or an actual show. <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about the show. Well, real question is, how much dessert did you eat over the holiday? Because I had a bet going, and I said at least six different times that you did. <laughs> you mean throughout the whole weekend? Throughout the whole weekend. Bro, I finished two pumpkin pies on my own. Come on. All right, I won that bet then. Ooh, got 50 bucks, <laughs> got 50 bucks coming to me. I knew I could always count on you to do the right thing. There you go. Always overestimate overestimate on how much I can eat. All right, see, so, so if I make fun of you for eating too much, you can't really get on me because you basically admitted no, that you do. I never, ha- I never have. When have I ever done that? Yeah. So you said never overestimate how much you can eat? Correct, correct. I tell you what, one thing that we definitely can can always count on is the Dallas Cowboys doing Dallas Cowboys things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was no different Thanksgiving Day. Did you watch the game? Of course. Between I I was probably through the first half of my first pie. Oh, okay. So he definitely watched the game because that means he was sitting down at the couch. So yeah, the Cowboys lost to the Bills on Thanksgiving. 26 to 15. I feel like the game wasn't even that close, to be honest with you. And uh, a couple things with this game. Obviously, the Cowboys were in control of their own destiny in the NFC East. Uh, Eagles also blew that, too. We'll get into that a little bit later. But a couple storylines coming out of this loss for Dallas on Thanksgiving. One, after the game, reporters could reportedly hear, hear yelling coming from the Dallas locker room. I believe it was Michael Bennett was the one who was doing the yelling. And... I just want to know, with all this surrounding Dallas, they're going in the opposite direction. Are they done as far as being a playoff team? Well, aren't they in first place? Yeah, which is weird. Okay. Because everybody's making it seem like the world's on fire. It kind of is, but everybody's world is on fire in the NFC East. Exactly. So they're in first place, according to the record. So no, they're not done. Like. They have a good shot at the division. While the NFC in general is tough, the Cowboys have been there before last year, and they could still be a dangerous team come playoff time. I still wouldn't want to play them, not with Zeke, not with Dak, not with Amari Cooper. Now, Buffalo's a good team, too. People are dogging the Cowboys for this loss, but, dude, Buffalo's a good team. All right, Dallas beats the teams they are supposed to beat, which is a good thing because not all teams can say that. Philadelphia Eagles. So, it only takes one game in the playoffs. You're one and done, but that also means it only takes one upset for you to advance. And real quick, JT, before you go, look at this. Their stats. 
they are the number one ranked offense in the NFL. 432 yards, 432 total yards a game. That's in front of Baltimore. And they're the only team, meaning Dallas, to be averaging over 300 yards passing per game. They're eighth in rushing. They're eighth in points per game. They can ball on offense. All right? So, and defense overall is eighth yards per game. Like, what else do you want? Scoring defense. They're eighth. Like, they're still in the top third of the league in, like, everything. Actually, even a little bit more than top third. Boom. Mark it down. Dak's the new MVP. Lamar Jackson's out of there. I did not know that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Russell Wilson's still my MVP. Don't change it up. I'm so sick of you. You brought it up. Whatever. But here's the thing. Are they done in the terms of making the playoffs? No, because you just said it. The Eagles wet the bet against the Dolphins this weekend. So they're technically still in first place in the division. But I will say this. Are they done as a team? They might be because, first of all, any, any team that signs Michael Bennett at this point and you guys are losing, the countdown has begun until you're done because he's just going to be pissed off that you're losing games anyway. So as evidence that he was the guy screaming in the locker room after the game, don't know what he was screaming, but it must not have been that great. And then also, too, to add on to this topic, there's reports coming out of Dallas that both the players in the front office behind the scenes have given up on Jason Garrett. So I think if they don't if they don't get it together in his next one or two games, I just see this team imploding. But as of right now, they're not done because of the record and because of some of the numbers you just threw out there as far as what they're doing on offense. But the fact that they're in this position is another thing. So that's terrible. So Dallas should be much better with the numbers you just you just uh, rattled off. So in their current predicament, who are you putting the most blame on as far as why they're not a runaway team right now? This may seem a little far-fetched, but I'm going to go oh, with Oh, no, their... it's you. Everything is far-fetched. <laughs> but go ahead. Well, I'm the far-fetched guy, but you're the, the, the drama king, okay? No, well, I'm, I'm actually rational, unlike you. <laughs> Whatever. So, I'm going to put the blame, if there's someone to put it on, their rush defense, all right? It is not nearly as good as it was last year. They were ranked fifth in run defense last year, okay? Singletary had a very good game, 14 carries, 63 yards. That's a four-and-a-half-yard average. That's pretty good in the NFL. Josh Allen, 10 for 43, all right? So, I am going to put it on Dallas because this year they're ranked 16th in run defense. So they went from a top five run defense to now middle of the pack, and I believe that's been the difference. They haven't been able to stop teams enough to get the ball back in the big games. So you're, so you're blaming it on the defense? The run defense, not the, the secondary. Defense. Secondary's fine. Secondary, the front seven have to whatever. <laughs> they're not that good. They're not that good. The front seven – is not what it was last year. Can we admit that? Well, I think that whole defense isn't what it was last year. Right. And I I think they made a big mistake trying to extend some of those guys instead of taking care of what's really been making them, you know, go the furthest would be the quarterback. But I'm actually going to surprise you. I'm going to put the blame on Zeke. And it's more of, look, man. I, he, I like I like that. I like that. He held, he held out. He And rightfully so. He's been a monster since he came into the league. He's, he deserves every penny that he got. He earned it. But here's the thing. When you get a raise that big and you, now you're the highest paid player on the team, you better go out there and ball out, and you better be carrying us on your back to the playoffs. Because guess what? If I'm paying Zeke, how much did he make? Like $90 million on his contract or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. 
if I'm paying a running back $90 million, not tagging him, I'm expecting him to go out there and be Christian McCaffrey. And he hasn't been that guy. I don't even think he's a top five running back this year well, in the NFL. I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said that because I had some of that. Last year, number one, he won the rushing title. He was number one. This year, he's coming. He's still doing well, actually, but he's number six now. And that, that is a big difference, what he was doing last year to what he's doing this year. Yeah, and I just put it on him because if Dak were the person that got the extension in the offseason instead of Zeke, we'd be saying it was Dak. You're the highest paid player on the team. You're the guy that's supposedly making the offense go all these years, and you got to put us on your back and take us to the playoffs. In a in a division this year where it's they all suck. It's like, weak. No, yeah. It's weak. There's no way they shouldn't be running away with this. But, so, but one other thing to add real quick, JT, and we don't need to answer this, but how much goes on Jerry Jones because he paid everybody else? 100% because he needs to get that out of the way and let Steven do the, do the job. Well, not just that, but he paid everybody else, including Zeke, but not Dak. And I'll tell you what, in that Thanksgiving game, when I saw Dak on the sideline, he looked a little disinterested. He's like sitting there. I think he's thinking everyone else got paid, but I didn't. What's, what's wrong with this picture? I'll tell you what, Cowboys fans, I hear him talk all the time about how Dak is not that great. And we can do good without him. Yeah. See what life is like without a quarterback. But I feel like even though we're saying, I say Zeke, you say the, the run defense, it ultimately is going to fall on Jason Garrett. So everybody's really blaming him in the media. Do you think because of this game and ultimately, if, let's say they either don't make the playoffs or don't win the Super Bowl, do you think Garrett gets fired? And if he does, who do you think the Cowboys will bring in to replace him? So – I think he actually does, unless he makes a run in the playoffs. Because no, Jerry Jones says basically if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, he's getting fired. Okay. I think if he if he gets to the Super Bowl and doesn't win it, I still think he keeps him. So, but other than that, everything Jerry Jones has said this week on the radio, where he's like, Jason Garrett will be a head coach in the NFL next year. But he didn't say it's going to be his head coach. So... That I think least, that, I think that pretty much, you know, solidifies that Garrett's not going to be the next year because there was no reason for Jerry it, Jones to say that. Exactly, and he chose his words very carefully there. And like you said, I think unless he makes a great NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, he's gone. But the problem is, like, who do you got? You need a strong figurehead there because that's what the Cowboys need. However, it's how, exactly. However, that person will butt heads with Jerry Jones. Meaning, look at examples. Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells. They've probably been the two most successful the past 25 years, but they've run into issues with Jerry Jones the most. So I think you need to go with a young, successful college coach that players will respect, but Jerry Jones if you say like, If you say Lincoln Riley, I'm walking off no, the no, no, right no. now. Okay. But Jerry Jones feels like he will have the power over him in terms of like some of the moves. So I think I Bronco threw this Mendenhall. one. I Go just threw him. this. I picked this one out of the hat. I think James Franklin. Damn, they're going that far down in the ranks to get a coach. That's not that far. Look what he has done transitioning Bill O'Brien to to this next generation of Penn State of the Penn State program. No, no, he's, he did he's a great been, job. He's been great at Penn State. I just didn't think he was that high up on the list of guys to replace Garrett, but. But what I mean, I'm saying is I think that's what the fit is. Like, you can't – like, Lincoln Riley's going to probably want some power. Yeah. Also, I wouldn't leave Oklahoma either. That's the best job in sports Ex right now. Yeah. Um, Here's the thing. And I already said it. If they don't win the Super Bowl, he's fired. If, even if they get there, I think he's fired. 
Um, I really struggle with this one to say who they would bring in to replace him because I hear what you're saying. Jerry Jones is a is a power you know struggle person where you know he wants to be the person that ultimately makes the decisions. He just wants you to come in and kind of do what he says and win the games. What I think I see them doing, and it makes sense, is either one of either Jim Harbaugh or Urban Meyer. I think one of those guys could come in and, and be the coach because I think they can command the respect of Jerry enough that he would get out of the way some and let them run the team. Dude, he couldn't get out of the way of Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells yeah, that he, won two but Super he, Bowls but, each. but I feel like I feel like he's grown since then. And the fact that he's let Steven what? Jones I feel for, since where he was before, he he'll fire a coach after he takes him to the Super Bowl or win or wins it. So I think he's grown since then. I think the fact that he's let his family and sons into the organization as he gets older, I think that's helped with some of, you know, him what type of coaches they can bring in. I think it's gonna be one of those two guys. I think it's either gonna be Urban or Jim Harbaugh. I just think they're the type of guys that can come in and take the heat of being in Dallas. All right, good point. I mean, those are good candidates. Much better than James Franklin. Yeah, let's go. Whoa, let's, go let's go to a guy who can't win the Big Ten title, and uh, let's hire him to be the Dallas head coach. But side note, though, you know what's so funny? We didn't say. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just did you just do the description for Jim Harbaugh? What, what you just said? Yeah, I think you did. Yeah, but he's also coached in the NFL and been to the Super Bowl. I don't agree with it. I don't. I don't think he's a good coach. Maybe not in college. Maybe he'll get some of that magic back in the pros. But going to the other side in that Thanksgiving game. We got to talk about the Buffalo Bills, and I know I hate this because I'm a Dolphins fan, and they're in the AFC East too. They're nine and three, and I don't know how the hell they got to nine and three. I looked up, and I was like, "Really? That's how many wins they have? Like, when's the last time Buffalo had more than eight wins?" And after coming off that big win on national television in Dallas on Thanksgiving, are the Bills finally becoming a threat to the Patriots? No. It's been one season. <laughs> Pump the brakes, as you I sound, always say. You sound like those dudes on our, on our IG comments, man. Like they <laughs> they think Buffalo's a joke. <laughs> and listen, the Dolphins in 2007 won the division. So like, relax. Pump the brakes. The Bills already lost to the Patriots, and the Patriots defense now. The Patriots defense well, is on. solid. Did well, a good on, job on, against on. the Bills. Hold on, before you get into your and, point. My bad, because I feel like this was a loaded question. What I should have said was, are they becoming a threat to the Patriots just within the division, not in the entire AFC, just in the division? It, no, and this is what I'm saying. They already lost to the Patriots. Like, the Dolphins won the division in 2007, and the Bills are not going to win the division. So, like, yes, the Bills' defense is solid, but more importantly, I don't know if McDermott can sustain this success beyond this year. And – Buffalo can prove me wrong in these last four games, though, so I'll, I'll still kind of keep my answer open, and I'll be open-minded about it, but as far as this year, they're not winning the division. In the years to come, like I said, I don't know if you can if you can trust McDermott enough to sustain this success, because he's done a great job. Nine and three is unbelievable. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. If you would have asked me before the Sunday night game against the Texans, I would have said no way, but here's the thing. Here's the kicker. If Tom Brady is truly falling off the cliff at like this Peyton Manning level that everybody seems to think that's what's happening right now, then you got to say yes because if Tom Brady's not playing like Tom Brady, that defense isn't exactly as elite as the numbers show. And I think that's what happened in the Texans game. You get up, you get against these teams that they have a mobile quarterback, can make big plays outside the pocket, has a big downfield arm, 
and your defense, because Tom Brady's not sustaining drives like he normally does, they're not as effective because they're on the field a lot longer than they normally would be. Then I have to say, yeah, they are good. They are becoming a threat to the Patriots. And this all will depend on is Josh Allen really taking the next step or are they just playing sorry teams? That's what I don't know. But here's the thing. Like I said, they have all the things that the Patriots normally struggle with. Already, We already both mentioned Josh Allen. He's a mobile quarterback. We know they struggle with those type of players. Um, their defense is nothing to laugh at. They're stingy. They got good secondary. They have a good front seven. They just play hard. They're basically the Patriots, except they don't get the recognition. So the only thing they really don't have yet is elite weapons on offense. Like, I don't think John Brown's an elite weapon, but that they can go get those guys. And if they continue to grow, like, I know you don't think McDermott's for real, but I think what he's done is amazing. To get nine wins with this team is nobody expected that. We expected them to be picking in the top ten again. So, with that being said, I do think that if Brady is done, they are going to be a threat to the Patriots. It's not that I don't believe in McDermott. I just don't know if he can sustain this. You what know, do you like mean? Beyond this year. Because remember, they're they getting regressed, better. They're get, they're they getting regressed better. last year. But they regressed the last year. But here's the thing, Josh, they had a rookie quarterback. And we talked about this at the beginning and of the year. And they we, still have no weapons. That's the thing I said. They got to get and, some elite weapons. But this is the same problem with New England. So what's the difference? The difference is Josh Allen isn't playing like Peyton Manning at the end of his run. Tom Brady is. It's because he has no weapons. It's because he might be done. Well, okay, Max Kellerman. Anyway... Speaking of the Sunday night game in the New England Patriots, all right, they did lose 28-22 at the Texans, like JT mentioned. It wasn't even that close, to be honest with you. And the offense struggled again. Struggled? They were trash. Come on. So let me ask you this. Should, based on all the circumstance, should they bring back Antonio Brown? Is it time? Yes, ASAP. And I don't understand what the hell is taking so long. He's clearly not going to be suspended by the league. So, and it's not like they haven't taken on trouble players before. Josh Gordon. I just don't understand this. They need at least one competent playmaker on offense. They have none. Like, you you really think you're going to go to the Super Bowl with Sanu and Philip Dorsett? Like, there's no way you can make that happen. Brady at his absolute peak couldn't pull this off. They have no other guys on that offense. They need to call A.B. now. Make up, get him in there, and that's the only shot they got to win. You work for Drew Rosenhaus? I, I should. Should he probably pays <laughs> better than this? Listen, then I won't have a partner for the epi- for the podcast. Get your money up. <laughs> Straight so, cash. No, right here. No, they. Sh- All right, Randy Boss. So no, they should not bring back Antonio Brown because this is what I want to pose the questions to you, JT. What has changed from the time they released him until now? Is he still accused of sexual assault? Did he show remorse for the threatening texts he sent to his accuser? All right. The first question is, nothing's changed. Two, he's still accused of sexual assault. And three, he hasn't shown remorse. He almost didn't even show remorse to the comments he made to New England. All right. So... The only difference now is that it is sh- that it's showing why the Patriots signed him in the first place, meaning they are lacking offensive weapons. That is why Belichick 
and Brady wanted to keep him even after all of the sexual assault allegations came out because they knew what their offense was not capable of. That's the only difference. The only difference is they're actually showing those signs of lacking an offense. So you need to stick to your values and stay away from Antonio Brown. You cut him for a reason. Yes, he hasn't been suspended yet, but the key word is yet. All right, he finally got through with his interview, and they said a decision's to be made in a couple weeks. So what's the point of bringing him back? Also, he burned his bridge on the way out. Is that the type of guy you want back in your organization? If he can play the way AB does, yeah. Not not then, to not to make light of not to make light of the allegations, but we said this before jokingly. If anybody who plays for the Patriots that's in trouble, the, the league's not going to do anything until February. So I would I would imagine I think that's why they haven't done anything because they don't know if he's going to be signed. If the Patriots sign him, I can see the league. They just always so happen to delay any punishment until at, until the off season. But, so. They and by that, by that him, time, they'll be done with them, and they'll have another Super Bowl. But, but it's not even that. It's not even the threat of the suspension. You cut him for a reason, right? He went well, behind it, your it back. Was, it was a bad PR hit, to what he did, and they had to text me. Okay, yeah. so, so you did it for a reason. Why would you bring him back? Nothing changed. Nothing's changed. Well, it, well is this how you want to waste Tom Brady's last year? Doesn't matter. Don't lower your values. There you go. Or your standards. Or your standards. He said it. Integrity above all. Winning is not important. Got to go with that. But I I didn't say winning is not important. But integrity. It's not the most. It's not the most important thing. Integrity. Integrity is the most important thing. There you go. That's the message of the day, kids. There you go. The second message of the day should be get paid and get on the field. And I tell you what, man. Uh. Sticking with the Thanksgiving games, did you watch the Saints game against the Falcons? Of course. I was finishing my first pumpkin pie of the day. All right. So you were winning me my, my money. So, so many so many YouTube-worthy moments in that game. Matt Ryan getting stiff-darmed by a D-tackle on the way to a potential pick six. And then the Saints having – I don't even know what to call him. They say he's a quarterback, but he's really not. Taysom Hill just going off in this game. I think he was the first player in NFL history to block a punt catch a touchdown and run for a touchdown. And I'll look it up somewhere. Like, his, like, snaps and where he actually lined up on the field were insane. And we've seen this before with the Saints. Sean Payton just using Taysom Hill as, like, this gadget guy. He makes big plays, you know, kind of whenever they scheme to have him do something in the offense. With that being said, one thing we can say, the guy's athletic as hell, and he's a playmaker. Do you think, because at some point he's going to be a free agent, does he deserve a starting contract? Like, I don't know what position they would put him at, but do you think he deserves a starting contract in the NFL when he becomes a free agent? Now, do you mean to be able to start at a position or just salary-wise like, be comparable, like, 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 comparable to like, let's a say starting contract? That's a good question. So let's say, let's say he's a free agent next year, right, whatever, and you're a GM of a team. Like, do, is he one of your free agent acquisitions like you're going out to target him? Do you well, think like, he deserves that that level? Well, I think he deserves the level that you could target him because you could use him in different ways. Now, the question I look at is, am I willing to pay him a top 20 or 30? At a position. At a position. And that's where I would say no because he has earned a contract. He has earned the ability to play in the NFL and to be a free agent target. There's no doubt. And he's exciting to watch, and I'm taking nothing away from him, but 
when it comes to would I pay him a top 40 receiver salary, a top 20 running back salary? No, because he is no slash Stewart, though, okay? He we, is don't, not, we don't know that because they don't let he, him throw the ball. He is not Cordell Stewart you from 1995, all right? You do not know that at I, all. We do. I'm going to tell you why. Because, that was his first. Teddy will you listen to got, me? You ask the question, will you listen to me? Do I have to? Yes. Gosh. That was his first rushing touchdown this season, okay? He has four receiving touchdowns this season, which is actually pretty good. I'll give him that. But this is the other thing, and his highest percentage of snaps in a game is 33%, which is week two. He is not even the backup QB, JT. It's Teddy Bridgewater. So he can do a little bit of everything, you know, kind of the jack-of-all-trades guy, but the master of none. So – you can't give him that big salary. Yeah, I agree. It, here's the thing. If it's that quarterback, that's a hell no because I'm pretty sure when he's a free agent, his agent is going to be like, look, he's a quarterback. you got to start the negotiations at that price point. Absolutely not. He hasn't shown anything remotely close to being a passer in the league. But I will say this. So I, don't, I got this from the Sunday Night Football Advanced Offensive Snaps by Alignment. So they, got, they basically broke down all of his uh, – snaps by position since uh through week 12 this year so he's got 23 snaps at quarterback 28 at tight end 23 at receiver 43 at slot receiver which is really interesting and only seven at running back so here's the thing if you're telling me that he's gonna commit full-time to learning the either the wide receiver position or maybe a third down back then, yeah, I think he does deserve a starting contract in the NFL because the one thing that he's proven, and he did it at uh, at BYU, he's the most athletic guy on the field except for when he's playing Tyreek Hill. And there's always a spot for those type of guys in the NFL and a coach who knows how to use them. And especially this, the guy only needs more snaps to get more opportunities to make bigger plays. If he commits to a position full-time, I absolutely think they should pay him. And just by the way he's lined up this year, that slot receiver looks really tempting. You telling me this guy, if Bill Belichick isn't like, I hope the Saints don't sign him, I can bring him in here, teach him how to be a slot receiver, and this guy could be just a monster a year or two from now. So you're willing to pay him an average of I'm five million a year to be I'm your willing, starting slot I'm will, receiver. I'm willing to pay him four million dollars a year to see if if he's got he got what it takes because he has the talent. He just has to learn a position. He can obviously catch. He can run with the ball. He can run with the, He can run after the catch. Like, he's a football player. I just need him to come in and play and focus on a position full-time. I'll be willing to roll the dice. In New England, $4 million a year. Slot receiver with that kind of speed? Absolutely. What's what's the cap? Six? Seven mil? Uh, I say five. That's a pretty expensive slot receiver who's usually your third receiver on a team. Yeah, but – if I'm New England, this guy is the fastest guy on the field. He might be the fastest slot receiver they've ever had. Haven't they tried that with, like, Tim Tebow and Ryan Mallett and it didn't work? Why, come on. You, you you comparing Taysom Hill as an athlete to those guys? Or, or wait, wasn't it uh, – didn't Jacksonville try doing that with the Arkansas quarterback? With Matt Mark Jones? Jo- yeah, Matt, he Matt actually has some decent years. He's 6'6 and runs a 4'3". Why would you not try him out of receiver? No one remembers him, though, so 4 $5 million seems to be awfully expensive. I mean, damn, they also took him in the first round. I don't even think this guy was drafted. I'm just talking about $5 million. <laughs> not that much. Oh, just $5 million. Just Okay, a, no big deal. Mil, That's your third mil. receiver at $5 million a year. In That's New England, little... he'd be the number one receiver right now. <laughs>
Oh, you still got Julian Edelman. Come on. So, actually, uh, Vito in the Miami studio in the control room, can you cue up the, uh, the music I got for JT we talked about earlier? Yeah, thank you. Here we go. It's so funny. You really haven't been able to play that song confidently all season. I, I can't even, hear you. What do, was Khalifa singing? I can't dude, hear you. Do they even play that anymore at Steelers games? Because you guys aren't doing anything to warrant playing that song. Well, do, do I need to turn the music off in the back? I guess I do. You should okay. because okay. then I won't okay. be able to hear your great argument. <laughs> All right. So, JT, we got to talk about Steelers, Browns. All right, the Browns lost to my Steelers 20-13, to only 17 days after the big brawl involving Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Neither of them played in this game. However, Freddie Kitchens wore a T-shirt to the movies on Friday night prior to the game uh, that read, Pittsburgh started it. JT, who is the blame for the loss at Pittsburgh? That's such a joke. And the fact that Freddie Kitchens – the fact that Freddie Kitchens threw his own kids under the bus just lets you know everything is wrong with that team. And I said this from the beginning. I said it during the season. I'm saying it now. He's going to get fired, and they should be walking this up to the podium right now to fire this guy. He's clearly not a head coach. I'm starting to wonder if he's even good enough from a leader perspective to even be a coordinator in the NFL. Like, he hasn't earned anything, and he's just way too cocky. And how do you, how do you lose to Pittsburgh? They have a lack of talent on offense. They're down to the third-string quarterback. Like, How do you lose this game? You're at full health. And it's because they have no accountability, and that guy right there with that T-shirt on is the root of all their problems. That and also OBJ coming in with his, his drama queen antics. But, yeah, I, do, I definitely think it's all on the coach. He's tanked their season. He's made Baker Mayfield take a step backwards. And I feel like the longer they keep him there, that team's going to implode to a level that was worse than what they were before. Well, you you asked how do they lose to Pittsburgh? Coaching, just like you said. It's the coaching. Maybe not the X's and O's or the scheme. Oh, it's definitely the X's and O's. Well, it's not just that, but it's everything leading up to it, too. I mean, you have to act professional. You're the head coach. You're the leader. You're the face of the franchise. Do we have to act professionally in Cleveland? I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, you need to – Cause I want to That means I work for John Dorsey. I seen him on Hard Knocks. He's not exactly <laughs> professional, so I don't got to do shit. But you're the head coach. You need to act professional. You don't wear that shirt. Period. He said, "Oh, I had a jacket on. No one's supposed to see it." What are you talking about? You took a photo with a fan with your jacket open. You didn't think people were gonna see it. You purposely did that. And he's like, "Well, my daughters wanted me to wear it. I would wear it again." Like, no, you're the grown up. Okay, you're the coach. You Is don't wear though? it. Is he though? You say all those things, but I'm not 100% certain. But this is why I'm saying they lost. It is him. You have, and then he doesn't own up to it. That's the problem right there. That is that in a, in that phrase that he said. Oh, giving all these excuses. Right there is the whole problem with the team. No one takes accountability, and it starts with the head coach. And. He doesn't hold himself accountable. How can the players hold themselves accountable? Or how can he ask them to be accountable, right? They got up 10 nothing, and then they eased up. That's part of coaching. So you wear that shirt. If you're going to wear that shirt and lose, whether it's your fault or not, you got to fall on the sword, and it's Freddie Kitchens. Not going to get an argument from me on that one. All right, all right. Well, let's go further east 
in Pennsylvania over to Philly. All right, if I got my directions correct. I don't know. That's your damn state. You tell me where the damn city's located. It is. It is. Why are you asking Philly me? Is, Philly is east of Pittsburgh. You, right, so that's your final answer because Eagles, you, because you do you do have a law degree, and I'm really starting to worry about you now. You know what? Do you just want to intro this topic since you no. went to the game? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, let, you've been I, bragging about going to this game. I actually have not bragged at all. I didn't even. I, yes, I, I you barely have. told you I went. You, I texted you. I was like, "You're like, what are you doing? Like, I'm at the game." You sent me See, first, photos of first how of all, close you were sitting. It's sunny there. First you know all, it's raining where I'm at. See, see, first of all, you can tell that he's full of crap and he's just bitter that I was in a I was in a game where there was sunshine and it wasn't snowing. You sound angry. You just told on yourself. First of all, that's not even like me to text you and say, hey, I'm at the game. Yeah, don't you wish you were here? No. I was like, you called me. I didn't pick up. You asked me what I was doing. I sent you a picture of where I was at, you knew where you knew I was at the game, and that was it. See, you over exaggerating like usual. I don't recall that, but anyway, the Eagles at the Dolphins they lost 37 31 to the Dolphins. Again, JT was there in person. He's the, you're actually their good luck charm because you went to the Steeler Dolphin game a couple years ago, and the Dolphins we knocked, won. We knocked Ben out the game. <laughs> so, did the Eagles? Make the correct move in keeping Carson Wentz over Nick Foles. I think you got to ask the question. Can I say this before we get into this this question? I'm pretty sure this is not what it's like all the time, especially when you go to Philadelphia. But I'll say this in all, all seriousness. Um, Philadelphia Eagles fans, out of all the fans that I've seen come to Miami Dolphins games, so like the Jets fans are terrible, Patriots fans are annoying. Even when FSU plays Miami, the FSU fans are the worst. The Eagles fans were the – they were all about sports. They care about their team. Those are some of the best fans I have ever been around as far as they own that stadium for basically the first half of that game. They outnumbered us 3-1, to one, which I expect because we're the Dolphins. And we were surrounded by a section of entire Eagles fans, and they were nothing but you know nice and respectful and really knowledgeable about football. Hats off to them. They really got a fan base. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but they definitely deserve another Super Bowl. Um, but with that being said, did they make the right move keeping Wentz over Foles? Yeah. And you know, my answer is going to be yes, because when we did our preview show in the beginning of those free agent contracts, what I say, worst offensive signing was the Jags signing Nick Foles to that big deal because they basically signed Blake Bortles and they did. And he got benched already for a guy who wasn't even drafted. Foles is terrible, and I feel like he just caught fire in that playoffs somehow. Maybe it was just it was it was an act of God or something. He caught fire in that playoffs, one of one of a Super Bowl. But I will say this about Wentz, and I noticed this when I was at the game. I noticed this because I heard it before, but I got to see it firsthand. I feel bad for Carson Wentz because he is playing for a team. I don't know how this is happening. But they somehow still have a Super Bowl hangover. Like, that team is still content with the Super Bowl they won a few years few years ago against the Patriots. And it sucks for Wentz because he was the only guy on that team that didn't win it. So he's still playing, trying to prove himself, even though he got the big contract. He's trying to prove himself. He's trying to win a Super Bowl. And the rest of those guys just don't care. And you can see it in their body language and in their attitude. And I think that's the biggest issue with them right now. And they need playmakers. Honestly, if Deshaun Jackson was healthy this year and he played in that game, I think it would have been a different story. 
But, yeah, for sure they made the right move. Wentz has the higher upside. He's the better quarterback. It's not even a question. But isn't that part of being a great quarterback and a great leader is being able to get those guys to raise their level? Yeah, but it's hard. But here's the thing. It's hard when, when first of all, they hate you for whatever internal reason. And then we already did it without you. So it's not as important to us. You know what I mean? So you would think those guys want to win more Super Bowls, but some of those guys just don't care. And you see it like Alshon Jeffrey's like, whatever, I'm a Super Bowl champion. Like they just don't care about it as much as he does. And that's the problem. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, those guys got their guys to care. But those are freaks of nature. And guess what? If those guys had the cachet of, look, if you're not on the same intensity level as those guys, you're usually gone from the team. The Eagles aren't built that way. They're the fun well, team. They're the fun team that can win it their be, way. Before I was with you that, man, you got to let Foles walk. You got to keep Wentz. But you know what? I've given Wentz now a year and a half, basically two years. And he hasn't shown me that he can do it. And at the end of the day, listen, yeah, is he really good? Of course, a lot of teams would love to have him. But we're talking about Super Bowls. And I don't know if he's that guy for them. And, and so I think they made the wrong move. Wentz is better. There's no doubt. Talent is there. But sometimes it's chemistry and the right fit. And that might actually be Foles. Foles. So remember last year's playoffs, too. Like, they won. He was, he was okay. And they, he was and, okay. And, and Chicago but, missed a field goal. But this is the thing, JT. Like, don't you think he raised their level in the playoffs? Because they almost beat the Saints, too. They played Here's a the really— the year, the year they won the Super Bowl, I just think that team was really talented, and that's probably the reason that Carson Wentz was on that MVP tear that everybody keeps bringing up. And Foles just kind of came in there and didn't screw it up, and that's why they won the Super Bowl. I think the year after, the talent took a little bit of a step back, obviously lost some pieces. And this year, I think injuries and that Super Bowl hangover is the reason why they're struggling. Foles is 31, Wentz is 27. Not a huge age difference there. Foles would have been a lot cheaper too, and you can bring in those pieces and reload that okay. you're talking about. So so, so if you're is, – is Howie Roseman still there? I believe so, yeah. Okay, so if you're Howie Roseman, you go make a deal with the Jaguars down in Jacksonville. All right, we need Nick Foles back. You don't want him. He's trash, right? You telling me you bring Foles back and you start him over Carson Wentz? Well, now it's too late. Now, now you can't do it. Yeah, now, now I they're, wouldn't they're, do they're, it. They're, they're the two highest paid quarterbacks but in the he league. Broke, Why not? He he broke his he broke his collarbone. Like things change, you know. Like he's he's, he's he sorry. hasn't been in that locker room this year. And that's the other part. You said the guys hate Wentz. I don't know. Hate's a strong word. I don't well, know if they, they hate him, but well, he's not but, their favorite person. On, but you've heard hold those on, reports. Hold, hold on, hold on. Again, that's part of being a leader. You're talking about a Super Bowl quarterback. Foles gets his guys to play. I don't know. The locker room and players seem to be more with Foles than they have with Wentz. In Wentz this year, he's 22nd in yards per game, 236.7, 20 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Foles in that 2017 playoff run, 6 touchdowns, 1 pick, 971 yards. He played out of his mind. Like, you can't just overlook that anymore. He got hot for a three-game stretch. You can't overlook that. It happens. You cannot overlook that because he did it at the end last year. Once Wentz's back was out, Foles took over and got them to the playoffs and got them a playoff victory. It happens, man. Well, I will say this. Will we, will we admit that this is going to be awkward? So what are they going to do with that statue in front of the, the Eagle Stadium with Nick Foles? Because 
They got it up there like he's Jordan and a legend, but he is trash now. Do they take it down or do they leave it up? No, you got to keep it up because I don't know if Carson Wentz gets you a Super Bowl. Mm, I mean, fair enough. I will say this, though. Back to the Eagles fans. As nice as they are, I've never seen a group of people hate anyone as much as they hate Nelson Aguilar. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Why is Aguilar still on the team? Because, you know, those those Pennsylvania's football fans got that same voice when they when they drink for a long period of time. Oh, why, why, why is Aguilar still on the team? He's so trash. I hope that's, he dies. That's your voice for everybody. So I, I, don't, I can't tell the difference. So let's switch to basketball, JT. Can, can we switch to basketball now? Yeah, sure. Shout out to you going to the game last night. How'd the Magic Ooh. look in person? Eh, they still didn't look like a playoff team, but they did win. They did win, and it's only because it was against the Wizards. They they were down Vucevic, and they still won. Well, Hachimura didn't play a great game for the Wizards. <laughs> so, <laughs> serves you right, cheater. <laughs> I picked I picked Hachimura up on the fantasy basketball waiver wire that JT and I are in the same league. Um, and JT was upset about that. But, of course, Hachimura doesn't play a really good game, so now JT's laughing about it, yet he wanted him for his team. So, I, I mean, we're both wrong there, I guess. I didn't steal him from you, just to be clear. So, Anthony Davis and the Lakers last week, last Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, they visited the Pelicans, obviously, Anthony Davis's former team. For seven seasons. For the first time, he visited them for the first time since he was traded to the Lakers. The Lakers won in a comeback effort, 114 to 110. But the fans booed AD almost every time he touched the ball. It's actually a little comical. So, JT, should the fans have booed AD? Yeah, they should. They, they did the same thing to Jimmy Butler when he went back to play the 76ers. They booed him every time he touched the ball. Shit, they booed Kyrie. He wasn't even there. Um, yeah, they sh- they should have booed him, and I think it has more to do of with the way that he left New Orleans, and that that fan base stood by him. I know it's not their fault that management didn't do their job right, but let's be real, they loved AD, and AD let LeBron basically come in there and like boost him up. He's like LeBron's like that girlfriend that comes in, is like, girl, you know, you could do better. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to stay with this loser. You so fine. You could do much better. And he just all of a sudden got this ego out of nowhere, and he just wanted nothing to do with the team at the end, at, during last year, and it, I think it got out of hand. Um, and that whole thing last year with the, oh, is he injured? Is he playing? That was ridiculous. But, yeah, it's fun. You can boo him. Definitely the way he left. Boo him every time he gets the ball. I got no problem with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the fans are okay booing him there and probably should have, right? It's like you said, like anytime you say you want out from a team and then you wear a, a, a shirt while you're still on the team that says, that's all, folks, like you're, you're going to get booed. Yeah, like, you're going to get booed. Yeah, what do you expect? And you're like, you're, never, like, you're like flaunting your new rich boyfriend in my face. Don't expect <laughs> me to be happy about it. <laughs> wow, this guy's all about relationships tonight. Um, like he never <laughs> won – a title for them, I think that would be a, the difference, is that if he had won them a title for an organization that never won before, I can be like, you know what? Yeah, he won it out, but so, let's yeah, not like LeBron did with Cleveland. Let, let's be appreciative of what, he, of what he won for us. And the other thing is he could have stayed. He knew a new GM was there in David Griffin, and they were going to get a top three pick. So, like, help was on the way. 
And David Griffin's a good GM. Really good so GM. He got him a he, title he, in Cleveland. Yeah, he took the easy way out in going to the Lakers and LeBron. So he what let, do you expect? He let LeBron boost his head up and get an ego. He's like, don't worry. Don't mess with those broke dudes anymore. Come and get these ballers. <laughs> but this is the other thing I want to know, JT, is that how do you feel about fans booing in sports, like in general? Not just this specific situation, but in general. From the, if I'm like the if I'm an athlete? No, I, I think just in general, taking a step back. Oh, I don't care. I mean, it's part of the game. I mean, if I'm an athlete, boo the shit out of me. I don't care. Pay me yeah. millions. I don't care. Yeah, because yeah, it seems like yeah, a, I don't care. It, it seems like some um analysts in the in the national media are like saying, Oh, like, you know, there should be no booing as well. And it's like, hold on a second. Fans pay money, and we've talked about this before. There is there is a lot. You can you can boo. Like I'm sorry, those, yeah. all those all those analysts that have that like that Paul Feinbaum mentality. Shut up. Yeah, you can boo somebody. Who cares? Right. There there is a line, right? And we've talked about this before on the show. There is a line that you don't cross as a sports fan. But booing, that's been a part of the game. Like as long as there's no name calling or inappropriate gestures, like booing opponents is being a hometown fan like when teams come out of the tunnel what do you do you boo you don't cheer the other team and then like the other thing is no one has a problem when like celebrities or like spike lee give opponents a tough time we actually enjoy that we like that so i don't know why all of a sudden people think booing is is going too far i I think that's stretching stretching it a little bit so yeah well sticking with basketball uh, let's go to the spurs What's their record? I had to look up. I couldn't believe this. Was it like eight and fourteen or something like that? You know what it is. What is it? Eight and fourteen. It's eight and fourteen. To, listen, you're we the, talked about it right before we went on. I'm sorry, I forgot. That's why I got oh. you. You're the stats guy. Damn, they've fallen from grace. I, I bet they wish they're they had twelve Kawhi now. They are twelfth in the West. Uh, okay. For I worse. mean, that's not good. That's for, not good for for what it's worth. Yes, they suck. We know, but. You know, with them struggling to start the season, and we know in the NBA usually when teams are struggling, those conversations come up of, okay, what players and contracts do we start unloading? And like you said, with them being 12th in the West, they got two guys on their team that aren't exactly helping them win, but they're still, you know, valuable assets in the league, and that's uh, DeMar DeRozan and um, LaMarcus Aldridge. So with that being said, should they move, particular in particular, DeMar DeRozan, should they entertain and think about moving him at some point during the season? Well, as I always say, and as I always say to you when we try to make a fantasy trade, is that if no. the price— No, if, no, <laughs> no. That's what I he d- says. No, literally every time. No. no, that is not what I said. If the price is right, Donato, of course Donato, you move Donato, him. Do you, do you, are you, is, is Nikola Jokic on, on the block right now? Yes, if the price is right. Wow. Don't try to do this for the sake of everybody listening now. I'm not. I'm being honest about it. If the price is right, I'm moving him. So in this case, if you can give me a high to mid-round, first-round pick, yeah, I'm I'm moving DeMar DeRozan. He, he's having a great year. 21.5 points per game, 5.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and he helps them compete on a nightly basis. Now, if they want to go true tanking mode, then yes, you trade him. Like you try to get a first round pick and you move him. Personally, to me, there's too many bad teams. Golden State, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Grizzlies, the Cavs. 
So, like, DeMar's going to help you win enough games to miss the bottom three, but not enough for the playoffs. So, like, at this point, you're almost stuck with him. But what I would say is if the price is right, yes, you got to move him because you're not winning a title with DeMar DeRozan with this Spurs team. I'm sorry. Not even with a little bit of help in next year's draft. Well, here's the thing. Also, uh, shout out to Lonnie Walker from the U last night balling for the Spurs in that yeah. uh, double overtime game against James Harden for the W. Yes, Had sir. Had a career game. Man, Lonnie I, I Walker the fourth. the fourth. Lonnie Walker the fourth. Finally, he's healthy. I think he's going to be good. You called it. You said he was going to be good when he came in the league. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a good player. It's all about the U, always. But um, in regards to moving DeRozan, I'm going to say, yes, they should move him. But I actually disagree with you. I think they should move him because I don't think he's actually helping them. And this is why I think they should move him. One, I think they're set to pay him something like $27 million next season. And it's a player option uh, for the 2020-2021 season. Um, it's probably likely that he's going to decline it and become an unrestricted free agent. So with that being said, why not try to trade him now while you can actually get something before he opts out next year and he's gone anyway? And look at his numbers when you break it down. Like, let's look at defense, which is obviously important to pop from the player perspective and as a team. The, and uh, you look you look at his numbers, you already said, I think he's like 21, 6, and 6 rebounds per game. The Spurs, if you look at the metrics and analytics, they actually perform better when he's on the bench. So... I was reading somewhere where like their defensive rating is 2.2 points worse when he's on the floor and their offensive rating dipped by 2.8 points when he's playing. So he's not really helping them as much as if you can move him for something and get some of these younger guys on the court, I think that helps them more. And according to the ESPN plus minus rating, so they do this huge algorithm that try to determine like players based on their position, you know, what their actual true rank is in the game he's 47th among 115 shooting guards in the league right now and it's not like anything changed from when he was in toronto because i think when he was in toronto he was like in the 70s so he's his plus minus when he's on the floor has never been great and i think that's one of the reasons why toronto behind the scenes was looking to move him and when you look at him from the scoring perspective yeah 21 6 and 6 was great for fantasy but I feel like I, I felt this way in Toronto, and I feel this way now. His, especially in the West, his lack of an outside shot prevents him from scoring at the same efficiency as some of the other players in the league, like a Steph Curry, a James Harden, and some of these other big time stars that are in those same type of roles as he that that he's in. Like he's not efficient enough taking those two point shots, and he's not good enough at the three point to really be that guy that you can depend on in today's league. And I feel like he's never. And I looked at the metrics, too. He's never really maintained a true shooting percentage over 55% for an entire season. And when you look at where most of the guys that you're looking at his caliber to be, like, all the top scorers are, like, always over the 60. So if he can't even really get to 55% and maintain, I think it goes against what you were saying. He's not somebody that can take your team to that next level. It's because he's not that great on defense, and he's just not that great of a scorer. But here's the thing. I think a lot of teams in the league have that same perception that you have that he is that good of a player, and maybe you can use that to move him. But I think you missed my whole point is I would move him if I'm the Spurs. But yeah, I because you first... suck. Would you be moving him if you didn't suck? Well, it would be de- – well, no. Well, 
yes, I would still move him if the price is right because I don't think he's that franchise guy you build a team around. And it's been proven. No, he shouldn't. So well, everything you said, I agree with you. You just went more in depth because you actually did your research for once and you looked up the analytics. See, this guy just can't give somebody a compliment. Just what do you say? Just say good job and move on. But with great that job, being, JT, so, great, so so great so job. Thank you. I know that that was horrible for him to say. So with that being said, so we both agree that they should move him. Now there's also you know where should he go. Uh, the Raptors are going to be the one that everybody says, like, oh, he should go back to the Raptors now that Kawhi is gone. Do you think that's where they should send him, or should the Raptors make a move to go get him back? If, if I'm the Raptors, there's no way I want him back, even if, even if I only have to give up a second-round pick. And I'll tell you why. It's everything you said. Sometimes that change of scenery is needed. And they, the Raptors have depth. Like, they moved the Rose in, brought in Kawhi. There's a reason why. Because they knew they could not win with DeRozan, even if it was worth only having Kawhi for one year. They'd rather have take their chances with that. And it paid off. Like, they have the depth. And while Lowry would like having DeRozan back, I don't know if the young guys would. Like, Lowry's injured right now. Van Vliet's getting much more run in that Powell ball kid is That Powell kid is stepping up. Ananobi is stepping up. They got a bunch of young guys that were just behind him. Right, they have the guy Davis. I forget his his first name. They got Boucher in yeah. there. Like, ooh, look at you, look at you with the pronunciation. I like that. They have guys now that yeah, they're not Kawhi, but listen, they're they're solid and they have ridiculous it, depth. They're up there with I, the Clippers. And this is the other thing I would definitely not bring them back if I'm the Raptors. If another team wants them, fine. I think bringing him back would stunt the growth of Siakam, and Siakam's balling. Yeah, I think I, that. I think that's the biggest thing right there is Siakam. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I definitely wouldn't, because I'm assuming if they brought him back, they would have to give up some of those young pieces, because I'm no pops going for the throat with that deal. Um, no, I, I wouldn't. Like like you said, Siak, Siakam, Van Vliet, Powell, guys like that, they're untouchable in my opinion, uh, especially for a guy like DeRozan. If, here's the thing. The only way I would bring him back is – if the, if the Spurs would take draft picks and some of those older guys off my hand, like if they would take Gasol, I might consider making that deal. If Baca, I'm kind of on the fence. If they would take one of those guys, I would consider making that deal. But I tell you what, though, a team that should make this deal, and you might not like this, is the Orlando Magic. I feel like that's we, a good— we, We've got Terrence Ross. We've got Terrence Ross. Okay, well, I stand corrected. DeMar DeRozan is so trash that he's falling below guys like Terrence Ross. You don't Listen, think he's you don't think he's a, he's an upgrade over Ross, Aaron no, the, Gordon, and the DJ Augustine? Is, no, the thing is, you're trying to put Demar Derozan on teams that do need players, and you think he's going to help them jump from an eight seed to a four or a three. He's not. He is good for the L.A. Lakers if they can pull that move off. So he's he can, he, he could be the, he could be KCP on that team. He no, he could be the third scoring option. Kobe and Shaq always had a Mitch Richmond or a Glenn Rice, right? He would, Kyle be, Kuzma. he would be their third guy, their third scorer, which is good to help them win a title. But him as a one or a two, which is what Orlando would need him to be, no way. It's not worth it. Well, you heard it here first. Terrence Ross is untouchable. I didn't – what? I didn't say that. He, he, he wouldn't trade Terrence Ross for DeMar I, DeRozan. I would – well, again, I don't think the Spurs would do that, though. You don't think, you don't think they would they, take a deal – 
Well, somehow they packaged Fultz, Ross, Gordon, Augustin, some some combination of those well, guys. Yeah, but the problem is Orlando's not giving that up because DeRozan's not worth it. But of course the Spurs would do that. I don't know. Orlando has dumb, done dumber <laughs> things before. Touche, touche. Fair enough. Fair enough. So let's talk some hockey, JT. We usually don't on this show. I know. I feel like we need to talk about it more, though. We, we do. We do. And we should talk about the on-ice stuff a lot more, too. Not especially, today. Especially Sid the Kid being one of the greatest players of all time playing for my Pittsburgh Penguins. But Ooh. anyway, we're going to talk about the Calgary Flames and former coach Bill Peters. It was disclosed that uh, Bill Peters directed racist slurs at a Nigerian-born player in the minor leagues about a decade ago and actually kicked and punched players behind the bench during his recent time in Carolina for the Hurricanes. Peters has resigned as coach of the Flames as he was in his second season with them after a 50-win season last year. So, JT, was this the right move by Bill Peters to just step down and resign? Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's just a bad look overall for him, and I feel like he's lucky that he wasn't fired or arrested. I mean, how are you? How are you assaulting pro players behind the bench? Like, I can't. I can't who, believe they took that. I never seen him before. He must be a big dude because I mean, these are these are young guys in their prime. I mean, all it takes is one of those, and it's PJ Carlissimo all over again. So I don't understand how that happens. But yeah, uh, definitely the right move for him to step down. Maybe you can help me with this. This is what I. This is what I don't understand though. Is that. I was actually confused by this, and uh, obviously we'll probably talk a little bit, more, a little bit more about it. Is I would I would naturally expect from the outside looking in that something like this would just fly under the radar in hockey, just because I just don't see reports of this stuff ever coming out until like recently. Like there's a whole bunch of stories with you know kind of like hockey cleaning up like their image as far as you know if anything like this goes down, like they're just getting rid of these people. Like did that surprise you that? that hockey essentially like made this a big deal that hey we're not going to stand for this even though like the per- the person who he did the racial slur against like they're like what like one percent of the game like they're like you, nobody knows any black hockey players besides Subban like are you surprised that hockey is taking this stance I'm no I'm not because I think about it's it's about the integrity and about always improving and I'm actually surprised it didn't come out sooner though because While I maybe wouldn't have expected the specific player or if there were some specific players he targeted, you know, the the slurs at, I'm more surprised that some of the other players, like the white players in the locker room, didn't speak up earlier, right? Because, like... Well, well, I read they they said that... Maybe this is not speaking up, but uh, I believe the guy's name... I hope I'm saying this right, is uh, Akim Aliyu, the Nigerian-born player. And we'll get into some of the stuff that happened to him. They said that the report said that the the player like the white players actually like cooperated and like one hundred percent like said this is exactly what happened. Like they backed his story. But you're right, they didn't exactly come out and say, like, hey, this is what Peters is doing in our well, locker room. Like you need to well, take a look. It's not only that, it took the actual player to come out and say that, right? Like what happened to the teammates ten years ago, even nine, eight years ago? That's what surprised me. Because we're still talking 2009. Like, you know, you should not be using that language at, at any point. But especially in 2009, like, we're all very aware, you know, of, of, of society. Like, why didn't someone else come out before? And, like, I, I don't I, – I know I, I'm not going to repeat this, but have you read some of the stuff that, like, this kid said that, that Peter said to him, like, in front of other teammates? Um, 
I think it was over uh, him playing certain music. Is yeah, what I think it but was like, about. Like the actual words that were said to. I, I don't Akeem. think I would. I don't think they printed the ones that I saw in the art. Like the articles I read, I don't think they printed his actual quotes. I read. I read some of the quotes that he that he supposedly said to this guy, and I'm here to say he's lucky that he didn't go Latrell Sprewell because yeah. if this were basketball, I feel like P- Peters would be at the hospital right now. Well, and that's what I was going to say was that this was the right move for him to resign because, like. He knows he was wrong in what he did, and he never had to face the consequences, whether it was assaulting the players behind the bench or the words he used 10 years ago. Like, you know, it's tough to go back to a locker room now that that stuff is out as well, on top of, you know, what you actually did was just wrong to begin with. So maybe, like you said, he's lucky he didn't get fired. Maybe in the future, if he shows, you know, some remorse or shows remorse, he can maybe get a job not as a head coach but still be in the in the sport of hockey which i'm sure he loves but I think like he's, i think he's done because it, it, i because think he is too i think he's done just this because, may be his only saving grace is what i'm saying but i think he's done because if you look at what hockey's been doing like the past maybe like few months like they got rid of him uh don cherry who obviously is like a big name they got rid of him as a as a broadcaster just based off of comments that he made um on Rogers Sportsnet, which is in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, just over comments that he was making about immigration in Canada. Like, they got rid of him, and he's kind of like one of those guys you don't touch. And uh, I don't know too much about the Mike Babcock situation, but I know they got rid of him too. So, like, I think it goes to what so, you were saying. Like, hockey is going to do the right thing. They're all about the integrity of this game. But also, too, I think, th- I think hockey is – I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think what's going on, too, is – I think they're realizing as time goes on, this game, both in the people that are playing it and the people that are watching it, it's becoming more diverse and they get they need to get ahead of this culture because as these things are going to become more accessible to just average fans and news is going to get out. So if you're if you're commissioner and head of the NHL, you need to nip this in the bud right now and get these guys out of there if you're planning on letting so, your game grow. So, JT, this is the question with you saying all that would be, what if he didn't resign? Should the Flames one hundred percent have fired him? One hundred percent. If if this came out, like I, I I'm not gonna say it on air, but I'm gonna email you the stuff that this guy said to the uh, Akeem Aliyah dude. Absolutely. Like if he's not stepping down, he's getting fired. I don't give a damn what sport it is. Like there's somewhere in your contract that said that this type of activity and language is a fireable offense. Absolutely, one hundred percent. He should be fired. I agree. He he should have been fired even if he didn't resign. And even though it was 10 years ago, like, this isn't the court of law. There's no statute of limitations. Like, it's still out there that you said this stuff. And so you should be fired for it, even though it was 10 years ago. Like, I guess the question would be, like, well, what's an appropriate time length that, you know, what if he said it 20 years ago or 15 and this was 10? Like, to me, there's no time length on certain incidences. Like the, again, there's no statute of limitations. Like you said this ten years ago, you didn't you didn't face the consequences. Well, now you do. Now that everyone knows about it, and so it's like domestic violence, right? Like if you find out a player of yours did something eight years ago, and it's there's evidence of it. Like I don't care even if it was eight years ago. Like you're going to face consequences from the team. Maybe you get cut. Maybe you get suspended by the league. Like, I don't care if it was eight years ago. So I, I agree with you there that he should have been fired uh, anyway, even if he did not resign. Shout out to the NHL. 
doing the right thing. Good job. Good job, NHL. You said it's all about integrity. That's the number one thing. So let's slide over to quick hitters. Let's try to keep these quick, Donato. Keyword. Do we have a sponsor? Because I've been told numerous times that you are in charge of getting a sponsor now. Oh, I thought you were going back to I, – I did not secure one this week because I thought you were trying. So no, I guess no, we don't. Good no, job. It's, it's Good job. in your hands now. Okay. All right, so let's run through these real quick. Uh, if you could pick between one of these two quarterbacks to take your team in the, to the Super Bowl in the future, who are you going with, Wentz or Dak? Dak Prescott. Same here, Dak Prescott. You already know how I feel about him. Uh, let's go to the next one. I actually thought this was really crazy. So rumors came out recently that – the Giants wanted to trade up in the draft to get Patrick Mahomes, but their GM at the time, Jerry Reese, didn't want to do so, and they settled on drafting tight end Evan Ingram instead. <laughs> Damn, and Dave Gettleman wasn't even there yet. <laughs> you can't blame you can't, can't blame good old is, Dave on that one. This is this is a Gettleman level mistake. But <laughs> was this an all time mistake? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was the MVP last year, of course. Yes. QB, franchise yeah. QB, Hall of Fame QB, of course, the an all-time mistake. Yeah, this is an all-time mistake. And I don't even understand it because when at this point Eli was washed anyway as a quarterback, so they needed one. Good like point. you said, you could have had an all-time great in the draft, but instead you got Evan Ingram who's injury-prone. He's Injury on IR prone for the second nice. straight year. <laughs> great job. Uh, sticking with quarterbacks, uh, don't know how this is happening, but uh, Ryan Tannehill, former Dolphins quarterback, is actually leading Tennessee to a actually fairly decent season. Uh, so much to the point that the Titans are rumored to be strongly considering using the franchise tag on Tannehill this offseason. Should they do that? I'm going to wait to answer this until I see these last four games because – my only hesitation would be the tag will be costly for the quarterback position. So if you franchise tag them, it prohibits you from signing a franchise QB or players, good quality players that you need at other positions. So I want to see if what he's doing will, will continue into December and January. Well, good thing for you. I don't got to wait until the next few games because I already know what's going to happen. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> We know what Tannehill is. We know his ceiling, and it isn't the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, but and listen, I know this is quick, quick hitters, but quick, what happened? But, but you brought this up. Quick. What happens if there's no franchise QB in the draft where you're picking because they've won a lot of games? Yeah, nah. So let's let's stay in the NFL. A lot of coaches are going to be on the hot seat. Uh, this either right now, Rami Vera just got fired too. Uh, a coach that's, or a GM that's currently employed, which NFL team needs to move on from their either coach or GM this offseason? Like, it's got to be done. I want you – you go first on this one. Um, can I say John Elway? Is that is that Ooh, possible? Yeah, that's allowed. That's allowed. Ooh. But all, jo all joking aside, I'm saying John Elway because I think that's the right answer, but I don't think it will happen. I'll give you an answer that I think could happen and should happen. It's the Bears need to get rid of Matt Nagy. And Ryan Pace. And can, I told you Matt Nagy was my most overrated coach. Clearly the Bears have regressed. They're not good on offense. And Ryan Pace might be the worst drafter slash uh, talent evaluator as far as giving free agent contracts. This ain't the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not working. Blow it up. Good point. Good point. Um, since you pick two, I'll pick two. And I'm going to go with both New York head coaches, Pat Shermer and Adam Gase. Got to go. Gase ain't going, but I agree with you on that one. He's my John Elway version that you had, exactly. Damn, is Adam Gase at John Elway levels where he's that untouchable? 
I think so. He's only been in there one year, and everyone loves him for some Shit, reason, including you survive? when he was at the Dolphins. How does he survive? I don't get it. Uh, let's switch gears and go to the UFC, where uh, over the weekend, Conor McGregor made record-breaking news where he's going to return to the Octagon on January 18th to fight Danny Cowboy Cerrone, your your cousin. All right, he's going to fight Hey, him. forget at, about it, huh? At UFC 246. Are you going to watch this fight? Even though it is one of my Italian uh, brothers, but... Did I say his name right? I think you got it right. You got it right. I mean, the American version, so you, you were good. Um, Sorry, I didn't roll my R. <laughs> that's Spanish, bro. <laughs> oh, see, I'm all messed up. Go ahead. Um, so I'm going to say no because... Or I should say I will not... Pay for it if that's the only way to watch it. I'm not going to pay for Conor McGregor. Well, we're not so. paying for anything nowadays, so that's that's the answer to that. I agree with you. No, we I'm got not no gonna, budget on the show. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it because I think he's washed. He's no longer a draw to me. Ooh, okay. Quick hitter. That was a good quick hitter there. So let's go into our weekend predictions of the NFL. JT, what was your record from last week? I don't know. You, you going to tell me? I don't know. I told you to look up your own. I was three and five. Well, here's the thing. I picked the I picked the Bills to win. I picked the the Bears to win. I picked Auburn to win. Um, I picked Utah to win. You picked Wisconsin. I picked we didn't Wisconsin. do we didn't do Utah. We did well, Wisconsin. Well, That's I picked, four. Yeah, I picked All right, you were four and four. I think I picked Wisconsin. You were four and four, and Damn, I was three were you? and five. I was three and five. Those, those was, are four that you didn't get right there for sure. <laughs> I was three and five. All right, let's go to this week. Forget about last so, week. So hold on. You knew my record, and you just weren't going to tell me. You knew my damn record. I really didn't. I didn't know who you had. I just know my record. So I picked the Cowboys, Ravens to win, too. Can we? What? I picked the Ravens to win, too. Okay, five and three. All right. Sounds like a playoff team. <laughs> that won't win the Super Bowl. Oh. Cowboys at Bears. Who you got? Bears. It's a cold weather game. I got the Cowboys. Ravens at Bills. Who you got? Ravens riding with the MVP to the wheels fall off. I'll I'll take the Ravens. I'm not going to go against them again. 49ers at Saints. I actually think it's the Saints, man. It's in New Orleans. I think this is a sneaky game for them. I think it is a sneaky game for the Saints. I'm going to go 49ers. And then Chiefs at Patriots. I want to pick the Patriots so bad, but this seems like the game they will lose to see what the Chiefs are going to do so they can beat them in the playoffs. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I'm going to go Patriots. I think they need this one. They need this one for their confidence and actually to secure that second um, second seed in the bye. They need a bye. There's no doubt. I don't see them winning three games in a playoff. So I'm going to go Patriots. If they had Nick Foles, they would. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, let's go to my... All right, let's go to my favorite segment, Surprise JT. I should get a sponsor for this one, huh? How about you just get a sponsor, period? <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's go with Surprise JT. I only got a couple for you here, man, so this should not be too difficult. All right, first team ever. It happened this year. First team ever ever to lose multiple games in a single season to teams of at least 0-7. So they neither team won a game until they faced this team. Who is it this year? That's the only time in the history of the NFL. Eagles? Wrong. Jets. Jets. Yep. Good old Jets. J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. Yeah, they do. All right. 
Tom Brady has had back-to-back games with less than a 50% completion percentage. That's not too good there for old TB12. When was the last time that happened in his career, either pro or college, that in back-to-back games did not get at least 50% completion percentage? What was that? Whatever that year I drafted him in fantasy back-to-back with C.J. Spiller. <laughs> it was probably – what was the year that Nick Foles threw the seven touchdowns against the Raiders? That's the year. Was it 2012, 2013? It had to be that year. Are you going to go with one of those years? Yeah, one of those years. It doesn't matter whatever year it was because it's wrong – it's never happened either at Michigan or with the Patriots. I think you need to go back to check the stats for that one year because he was terrible. <laughs> you just made a bad pick, okay, C.J. Spiller. He was the ultimate. I fooled you, got you. You're going to take me high, and I'm not going to produce. Uh, All right, well, JT, great episode. All right, I know had a lot of turkey, pumpkin pie, but back in the back in the weight room, back at the gym. I know you are. So Well, I, I mean I'm in the weight room, but I didn't have any of that stuff, so I didn't get I didn't get to eat any of that stuff. Wow. Wow. You missed out. You missed I did. out. I did. You did. I know. You did. I know. Well, don't miss out on our episodes. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. If you like what we do, please give us a five star review. And JT. If you don't like what we do, please give us a five star review. Please follow us on social media at JT and the Don on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And so, JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.